Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. My goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. We just completed our second year of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. For those that are new to our podcast, this is a weekly retirement planning podcast. On this particular episode, episode number 104, we're going to give you a market and economic mid-year update, and then we're also going to answer some listener questions. A lot of people are concerned about the market volatility and the bear market that we're experiencing this year so far in 2022. Record high inflation. We haven't seen inflation like this since the Jimmy Carter days. And President Biden's approval rating is actually the lowest we've had since the Jimmy Carter days as well. And that's according to Dr. Frank Luntz. He's a very, very popular pollster across the country. So that's our agenda on today's episode is hopefully give you a mid-year outlook and then also answer some retirement planning questions. For all those people that want to submit their questions to the podcast, I can either use them or not use them. That's totally up to you. I will ask permission before I use your question for the podcast. But if you do have a question, go to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. That's retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. At the bottom of the page, you can submit your question. It'll say, ask Greg a question. It's very simple. While you're on the website, you can listen to all previous episodes. There's 103 previous episodes that you can check out right there on the website. And then also you want to check out our resources section of the website. That's where I include all of my free resources that I have available to listeners. I have actually three steps to the retirement planning process. Step number one is what I call our blueprint to a dream retirement, figuring out what you want to make you happy in those golden years of retirement. Step number two is the budgeting tool. How much is this dream retirement going to cost us month in and month out? That budgeting tool will help you put that together so you know how much income you're going to need coming in every month to pay for that dream retirement. And finally, step number three is what I call the retirement action plan. Many of you are building the retirement action plan with a retirement planner like myself that kind of develops your own personalized strategy and really keeps you on track so you can have a successful retirement. Another way to look at your retirement action plan, it's kind of like if you were going grocery shopping, the first thing you do to prepare is, of course, you make a grocery list. What do we need to buy? What are we going there for? What are we out of? You don't just show up at the grocery store and start throwing things in the cart at random. You work off of your list. And that's what the retirement action plan is for. Again, you can download that right under the resources tab. That's step number three. Aside from that, I'm getting a lot of feedback from listeners. And I actually had a request and an idea of a listener was, hey, why don't you offer a 30-minute coaching calls, 30-minute retirement coaching calls where I can talk to listeners over the phone or a Zoom call and give them specific personalized coaching. So if that's something you're interested in, a 30-minute coaching call at the bottom of the website where it says, ask Greg a question, go ahead and type in your name and phone number and say, hey, I'm interested in that 30-minute coaching call. I'd be glad to set that up. All right, let's jump into today's episode where we're going to talk about the mid-year outlook for the economy, the stock market, how things are going. 
And then also we'll jump into some listener questions afterwards. So I don't do a whole lot of these market updates because that's not really the point of the podcast, but I've had so many questions from not only clients, but listeners about the direction this country is going as far as the economy and the stock market. So I thought, you know, a mid-year outlook would be a good discussion on today's episode. Now, I want to state that some of what we're going to discuss is kind of my opinion and what I've observed. But as far as the facts and figures that I'm going to be providing, all this is based on LPL Financials Research and JP Morgan Guide to the Markets. That's another free resource that is absolutely fantastic. Dr. David Kelly does a lot of research and puts that together and updates that very frequently. So as I'm recording this podcast right now, the S&P 500, which is basically it's the 500 largest U.S. companies, it's an index, it's down around 20% for the year. Now we don't, obviously we don't recommend that someone just throws it all their life savings into the S&P 500. There are likely better ways to diversify than doing that, but the S&P 500 in general is a very good gauge of the U.S. stock market. So for the year down about 20% midway through the year, and many people know that they break the S&P 500 up into different sectors. So you have healthcare, you have utilities, you have energy, you have consumer staples, you also have consumer discretionary, you've got financials and industrials, and the list goes on. Well, the only sector in the S&P 500 that is positive or has made money in 2022 so far is energy. And in fact, energy has done really, really well so far in 2022 as I record this podcast. And of course, these sectors, they go up and down just like the S&P 500. Every single day, the market's open. But as I'm looking at it today, the energy sector is up 27% year to date. So all but energy all the sectors but energy are actually down for the year in 2022. And it brings an important point to my mind that I want to point out is I have reviewed a lot of people's portfolios over the last 12 and 24 months. And consistently, I keep seeing the same problem with people's portfolios is that some people's portfolios are too heavily weighted in one sector. Most of the time, it's going to be technology, healthcare, consumer discretionary, something like that. Now, technology has had a great run. Healthcare has had a great run the last five years or so. But again, diversification is one of the things that can help us over the long run. And if you're too concentrated in one sector or one stock, that's a huge problem that I keep seeing over and over again. So, so for our listeners, it might be a good idea to look at your portfolio, make sure you're not too heavily weighted in one specific sector or heaven forbid one particular stock. And also when the market's down like this, again, we want to Maybe do a temperature check and see if our portfolio still matches the risk appetite that we have, how much risk we want our portfolio to take. And a lot of the times when the market's going down like this, like in 2022, a lot of people find that they're taking too much risk than they really have the appetite for. So you might want to see if you can get that in check. Now, what's interesting is that after the first quarter earnings for companies in the S&P 500... 78% of them exceeded their earnings expectations after the first quarter. So one of the things that we look at in engaging the stock market is the quarterly earnings of these companies in the S&P 500. Are they exceeding expectations or are they not? 
And after the first quarter, we were still looking pretty good from an overall, I mean, 78% exceeded expectations. That's not too bad. I would expect, it's my expectation personally, that the second quarter earnings are not going to look as good just because we have so many things going on. We've got, what, 11 million jobs in this country we can't fill. We've got the supply chain issue with everything being on back order. You can't get the parts in to build anything. So think about how that impacts all of these corporate earnings and therefore the market. The stock market is driven by corporate earnings. Pretty plain and simple. Now, sometimes the short-term corporate earnings don't reflect how the stocks do and the stock market does. In other words, if a company comes out and their earnings are absolutely fantastic, that doesn't necessarily mean that the stock would be up during that quarter. They don't go hand-in-hand short-term, but over the long-term, they tend to. Now, think about what can slow down the economy, slow down the corporate earnings, and even decrease the corporate earnings, well, what if these companies don't have people to hire due to a labor shortage like we're experiencing? Well, guess what? Let's think about this. If a company can't hire people because of a labor shortage, well, that's going to really decrease their growth and the growth potential that they could have if they could fill all these roles that they were looking for. And also, what about the supply chain shortage? Maybe their sales won't be as high because they can't get the materials in to build the products that they sell. And what they do sell, well, everything's on back order nine months. So both of those components will absolutely impact negatively corporate earnings. And lastly, you have inflation that is absolutely out of control this year. What is the Fed doing? Well, they're raising interest rates. And by raising interest rates, that is going to combat inflation being so high. That's hopefully going to decrease inflation. But whenever the Fed raises interest rates, it slows down the economy. So that's not good when we're headed potentially into a recession. So once you're in a recession... Well, then you need to speed the economy up. Well, how do you do that? You decrease interest rates. You lower taxes. So you've got the Federal Reserve trying to increase interest rates to combat inflation. But if you end up in a recession, well, guess what? Then you're going to need to drop them back down again to hopefully improve the economy. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. Aside from that, we have geopolitical issues still going on. We've got the war in Ukraine with Russia. That There seems to be no end in sight there. But Dr. Frank Luntz did a poll polling Americans to see what their top concerns were. And one third of Americans that he polled said inflation was their biggest concern. I really am surprised there. I thought it would have been closer to 60%, but that's just me. Now, one thing about the stock market in general, this, as everybody knows, this is a midterm election year, and it seems, historically speaking, that midterm election years create a lot of market volatility with all the noise that's going on and the elections in the fall. So I posted some research that was conducted by LPL Financial. I posted it to our company Facebook page, which is St. Louis Retirement Advisors, and I've been sharing it with a lot of clients. And this research was absolutely fantastic. It looked at every midterm election year dating back to 1950, and it looked at the volatility or the drop in the S&P 500 during a midterm election year. It looked at when the market actually bottomed in each year. And on average, it seemed to bottom between August and September for each midterm election year. But what it found was 
there were significant drops. On average, it was 16 to 17% drop during a midterm election year. But what it found was, is that 12 months after the bottom, on average, the S&P 500 was up 32%. So these market drops are a reminder for us. It's kind of like pushing a beach ball underwater. When you let go, what's going to happen to that beach ball? So if history is any guide, and I will argue that it's the only guide that we have, expect a rebound in the market in the next 12 months. That's what this research shows us. But just keep in mind this time around, there's a lot of factors that are impacting our economy and stock market that the Federal Reserve has no control over by increasing interest rates. I mean, if you've got 11 million open jobs and there's now hiring signs everywhere, well, that's a problem with the culture. There's nothing the Fed can do to get people back to work. I mean, these companies are offering these big sign-on bonuses and they still can't get people to apply. And then think about the supply chain shortage. That's going to be here to stay for a while, and that's going to impact our economy and the stock market. I mean, until you can get materials and goods all back in stock and inventories back up, the economy will really continue to be suppressed and not booming like it was just a couple of years ago before COVID. So hopefully that's a pretty good economic mid-year summary for you. I did have a listener question asking about gold, and many people know that I share the same philosophies as Dave Ramsey as a SmartVestor Pro, but one of the questions that somebody had was, how did gold do during this storm that we're experiencing right now? Well, gold, as I'm looking at it right now, for the year of 2022, just six months in here, it's flat. So for the people that say, oh, well, gold tends to do really, really well when the market really plummets, that's just not true. And this is a perfect example. As I stated, as I'm looking at the S&P 500, we're down 20% for the year as I record this, and gold is flat. If gold does well when the stock market is down, then gold would have a positive return, and it has a zero percent return. All right, let's jump into some more listener questions. Again, listeners, if you have questions, go to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. At the bottom, it'll say, ask Greg a question. You can submit your question there. And if you are interested again in the 30 minute retirement coaching call, you can submit your information right there in the ask Greg a question box. So the first question I got was actually from a widow that was 72 years old and she had not claimed her social security benefit yet. And immediately red flags went off in my head because I was thinking to myself, this poor woman, she needs to claim her benefit right away because it does not accrue any deferral credits after age 70. So quite simply, it does you no good to wait past 70 to claim your social security benefit. So I just called this lady, her name was Kathy, had a very nice conversation with her, and she had a choice. She could either claim her benefit today, or she could claim a retroactive lump sum, which would essentially, it allows you to get the last six months of your social security benefit as a lump sum check. The disadvantage of Kathy doing that is it would actually start her at the rate at 69 and a half, as if she would have claimed her benefit at that amount at 69 and a half. 
Now, many people that listen to the podcast know that I'm a straight shooter. And I told her, you know, you really missed out on the last two years of getting social security income. I would claim your benefit right away, but you do have this big decision to make. Do you claim the retroactive lump sum benefit, which after running the numbers, I told her pretty quickly, I certainly would in your scenario. So the lesson here is don't wait past age 70 to claim your social security benefit. There's no advantage to doing so. The next listener question was submitted from Jim. Jim had a question about purchasing long-term care insurance that had a death benefit component to it. They call this a hybrid long-term care insurance policy. And for those of you that aren't familiar with this hybrid type of policy, They are more expensive than a traditional long-term care insurance. Again, the people don't like a long-term care insurance policy because sometimes the premiums go up. And if you pay all this money into this long-term care insurance policy and you don't end up needing the care, there's no residual value. So people feel like they wasted those premiums, kind of like if they paid for homeowner's insurance and their house never burned down. So the advantage of the hybrid long-term care policy is it has a death benefit component to it, where if Jim did not use the policy for the long-term care, there would be a death benefit that would be available for his spouse. Now, Jim's question was, being that he's a high net worth individual, I'll just say, he's done really, really well for himself, him and his wife, they have a very high net worth, does it really make sense to purchase a long-term care, hybrid long-term care insurance policy because their parents, Jim and his wife's parents, went through assisted living and all that, and they know how expensive it can be, and it scares them to death. This is a fantastic question. A lot of times people buy these long-term care insurance policies because maybe the mom and dad went through it. And what's interesting is maybe someone that's really, really high net worth, maybe they can afford to self-insure But what I find is that the higher someone's net worth is, the more accustomed they are to transferring risk and protecting themselves from risk, whether it's long-term care insurance expenses. It could be umbrella insurance protection for a catastrophic accident, or maybe it's business insurance protection. So put it this way, Jim, no, it's not a terrible financial decision to purchase a hybrid long-term care insurance policy when you probably know in the back of your mind that you could afford to self-insure. There's worse financial decisions that you can make, And sometimes we make financial decisions because of how it makes us feel, even if it doesn't make the most financial sense. I'll give you a perfect example. I had a mortgage and the company, the mortgage company got bought out and my mortgage ended up being sold off to Wells Fargo. So I immediately went out and tried to refinance my mortgage and did so successfully through someone else other than Wells Fargo because I refuse to ever be a customer of Wells Fargo and have them make a dime of interest off of me. Now, it did cost me some closing costs and and admin costs and all that, and I'm absolutely fine with that. But again, I did so not financially because it was the best financial decision. It was more of an emotional decision. And if you're curious why I'm so upset about Wells Fargo, well, look at the discrimination lawsuits that Wells Fargo has for the mortgages for a number of years between 2004 and 2009, Wells Fargo was giving a higher interest rate to all minorities 
or people other than Caucasians. Even if they had the same income, the same debt, the same credit rating, if you were a minority, you got a higher interest rate on your mortgage than someone who was a Caucasian. And in my opinion, the worst thing that Wells Fargo has done as a mortgage company is screwing over the veterans that applied for VA loans. There were all these undisclosed fees and costs that were associated with them, and they were all hidden. And Wells Fargo has settled all of these different lawsuits for hundreds of millions of dollars because of how much they screwed over these veterans applying for VA loans. And I think that's absolutely despicable because the veterans who serve this country honorably should be getting the best service, the best opportunities. And here was Wells Fargo just trying to make money off them and take advantage of them. So that's my example of why making an emotional decision, it's not the end of the world because it just makes you feel better, Jim, knowing that you have that protection. And it makes me feel a lot better that I don't have a mortgage through Wells Fargo because it's such a despicable bank. All right, I'll get off my soapbox for today. I hope this episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast has been helpful. If you have questions, submit them to retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. I'll see you next week. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The SmartVestor program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor SmartVestor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. 